Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I grew up all over the rural southern United States, from the Appalachian Mountains to the swamps, backwoods and bayos of the deep south, where I spent most of my free time deep in the woods up into my early 20s. I spent a lot of my time hiking, camping, hunting, and fishing, and have always felt at home and at peace miles from nowhere. The more remote, the better. I'm well educated. I have a degree in a field of science and, and have seen various types of wildlife like coyotes, wolves, panthers, and bears in the wild. When I was about 17, my family moved to the Florida Panhandle. The woods in that area and around my house went on for many, many miles and are only interrupted by the occasional creek river, country road, or farm. There really are many miles of woods that see very little traffic out there. I was told by the locals that the area around my house had special significance to the Native Americans, and on a few occasions people alluded to things being odd in that area, but no one ever told me anything specific. 
If anything, the few who seemed to know anything got weird and quiet if I pressed them about why they made remarks about the woods, so I dismissed it, and lived my outdoor life as I normally would. On one occasion, some friends came over to our property, and we decided to go camping. We went down to one of the creek bottoms a mile behind the house and hung out for a while, but after remembering all of the water moccasins that hung out down there, I decided against camping out there out of concern that I might get bitten by a snake in the dark. There were a lot of cottonmouths down there, and they become more active at night. So around dusk, I and another kid went back to the house, and the other two were going to camp out for the night. Probably an hour after dark, the other two showed up looking shaken. They said that they were going to sleep inside, too. They seemed spooked, but when I asked them if something was wrong, they got weird and clammed up. The next day, we went back to the creek bottom to goof around and do teenager stuff. One of my friends had brought his rifle, which he seemed eager to try out. It was one of those old Chinese SKSs. We were messing around the campsite they had abandoned the night before when one of them commented about seeing something that looked like the invisible thing from the movie Predator. I thought they were being silly, but they were insistent, so we looked around and saw nothing. A little while later, the friend with the rifle fired a shot up into the trees, which was immediately followed by a huge splash in the creek. When I looked at the creek, I saw large waves from the impact, like someone had thrown something really big into it with a lot of force. For a fraction of a second, I thought I something brown and blurry in the creek, but before my eyes could even focus on it, nothing was there to be seen. Yet, there were the waves, still moving. It was weird. I was surprised I didn't know that he had intended to shoot at anything and had been looking the other way. My other friends didn't seem to know what had just happened either. We asked him what just happened, and he said, I saw a large hairy thing up in that large limb of the tree and shot it. I know that was absolutely irresponsible of him. I asked him what he'd just shot. Was it a raccoon or something? No, he said. It looked like something out of a zoo. Kind of like a big monkey or something, but it had a face, and it was looking at me. I must have hit it because it fell into the creek. All of this happened in less than a minute, and we ran the 25 feet over to the creek where Will had all heard the splash. There was still a slight disturbance in the water, but we never saw anything. When I questioned the friend, he reiterated that he saw a hairy thing that reminded him of something similar to a baboon looking at him from on top of a large limb of the tree, but it repeated. It had a face, and it was looking at him. I asked him, What do you mean? It had a face. Like a human face. He said, No, it wasn't human, but it didn't look like any animal's face that I have ever seen. It didn't look like a monkey's face either. It was different. We searched the banks and looked around, but didn't find anything. We even walked down the creek a good ways to see if he had killed something and it had floated away. We never found anything. No blood, no tracks, no fur. But whatever had happened, he had irresponsibly shot at something, and even if out of surprise, it had fallen into the creek. But we never found any sign of it. It was shortly after this that things started feeling weird, a little eerie, and we called it a day. I never knew what to think of that event, and I think I had written it off as something that either just didn't make sense or some kind of crazy, very successful prank. I even asked the other two guys if they were screwing with me, and they swore that they hadn't done anything. One of them did see him fire the rifle, but didn't know what he was shooting at. 
He said he saw something fall in his peripheral vision, but when he looked in the creek, there wasn't anything there. Life continued on as normal, and I spent a lot of my free time hiking, exploring and looking for fishing holes off of that small creek. At some point after this, I started having weird experiences in the woods periodically. Sometimes, usually late in the day or at dusk, I would get the feeling that I was being watched. The feeling wasn't there most of the time. It would just happen on occasion. I started noticing that sometimes in the evening I would hear strange animal noises from the surrounding woods. A few times it sounded like a blood-curdling scream, once it sounded like a roar, and a few times it sounded like some type of odd bird-like cry, similar to a peacock. Being familiar with animals, I always tried to deduce what animal had made the various noises. I concluded that the screams must be a panther that the roar must have been a bear, but the peacock noises made no sense. There were three neighbors within the next mile and a half on that isolated road, and none of them had peacocks. Then late one evening, I heard a more intimidating scream than before. It just sounded bizarre and caused me a sense of fear and dread. The scream sounded like a woman being murdered. I don't know how else to describe it. It was high pitch shrill and loud, but it seemed too loud and lasted too long to be a human. I figured it must have been a panther, but it didn't feel right and sent chills down my spine. It was during the last bit of twilight before total darkness, and I heard my butt back to my house. Sometime after that, the occasional sense of being watched and followed began to feel stronger and more malevolent. On a couple of occasions after that, when I was out in the woods, I felt that I was not just being watched, I was being hunted, and that my life was in danger. I never saw or heard anything. The woods were always silent when this happened, and I always quickly made my way home, but made a point to walk as I felt running might trigger a predator like a panther to chase me if that's what it was. Whatever it was, I felt like I was in imminent danger of death. It was a consuming feeling like nothing that I've ever felt. One day during this time, my little brother and his friends came running excitedly up to me and told me that two of them had seen a bear. Being that there, this area had been heavily hunted for many years, and there were not supposed to be any bears anywhere near this part of Florida. I asked them what they saw. They said that they had turned around and seen the hind end of something on all fours walking into the edge of the forest. They only saw the very end of the creature and could only see the upper part of the back legs and its back right above the legs. They said it was brown, it had hair, and that it was much bigger than a dog, so it must have been a bear. Again, there are no bears known to exist anywhere near there. At some point after this, I was out hiking again one day and had made a point to bring my shotgun loaded with four shot, which was the largest pellets that I had. I had begun carrying it when hiking as a precaution to whatever was out there, I was still leaning towards it being a panther. I didn't know what else it could be that would stalk a human and go undetected. I had noticed that the strange feelings and various strange sounds seemed to happen around dusk or at night, so I had started making a point to get back home well before dark. This time I had stayed out too late. Dusk was beginning as I was making my way home when I felt it again. Something was watching me. No, it felt like something was after me. The level of fear and the senses that this thing triggered were completely different from anything that I had ever felt. I knew I was being stalked, but I couldn't see or hear anything as I made my way home. 
Whatever the thing was, it seemed to move with me as I had walked hundreds of yards, but the feeling had only grown stronger. I felt like my life was in peril, like something was about to lunge out and kill me. Every hair on my body seemed to be standing up, and I felt certain that whatever it was, the shotgun wasn't going to stop it. Despite the terror I was feeling, I forced myself to stop and scan the woods, looking at both the ground and the trees, thinking that I might see a panther nearby readying itself to pounce on me. There was nothing that I could see or hear. Everything was deathly quiet. It was about this time that I first remember an inner voice saying something like, Don't stop. Go. Quick. Don't run. I started praying as I walked to the house. In every fiber of my being I felt a sense of malice and intent, whatever this was. It wanted to kill me. I felt sheer terror, sheer dread in a way I had never felt in my now seventeen years. Remember, I grew up in very rural areas full of remote, isolated spots. Those places were where I felt most at peace. Animals didn't scare me, but whatever this was did. That feeling was terrifying and consuming. It was all that I could do to walk home, clutching my useless shotgun, praying to God to protect me. And he did. Usually, when I got within two... Three hundred yards of my house, the feeling would subside. This time the feeling followed me right up to about fifty yards from my home. I continued praying, and as I reached it, the feeling eased off. But I felt like whatever it was was nearby watching. From that day on, I started occasionally feeling a malevolent presence emanating from the nearby woods. Sometimes it didn't feel safe in my own yard at night. I remember one time when I walked into the backyard and heard the scream again. It sounded like a woman screaming in terror only extremely loud, and it lasted too long to be a human, and then it transitioned to a something like a baby crying. But it, the crying changed to become distorted and twisted, and it just felt and sounded like something that was wicked was trying to frighten me. From that point on, I avoided the woods, especially when alone or in the evenings. I turned to partying and tried to push the vents from my mind. A year or two had passed without incident, and I had gotten too relaxed. Sometimes I get the occasional itch to go for a stroll at night. The moon was mostly full. The sky was clear with lots of stars. It was a bright, beautiful early autumn night. I still had enough apprehension to stay out of the fields and woods, especially alone at night, so I decided to go for a walk down the rural country road. It was probably around midnight, and I had walked several hundred yards down the paved road and cut across the corner of someone's cow pasture to get to a dirt road. I had gone through an electric fence and had made it about fifty yards through the pasture when I heard something moving in the adjacent cornfield on the opposite side of the dirt road from the pasture. I stopped and listened and heard the sound of something big moving quickly through the corn rows. At first, I thought it might be a deer until I realized that the steps and movements sound bipedal and large. Several times it moved and then paused, then moved through the corn quickly again. After hearing the movement several times, suddenly the sound of movement was followed by sound of a rabbit squealing. I instinctively crouched, peering into the darkness. Up until this moment I had only been curious as to what kind of animal I had gotten close to, I had no way of fathoming what was about to step out. I saw a large bipedal figure walk out of the cornfield. It crossed the dirt road and stepped over the electric fence mid-stride without pause or effort. In the bright light of the moon and stars I could make out some details. 
Its head had significant wolf-like features, a long snout and pointed ears. It was taller than a human, maybe seven feet, possibly a little more, and it walked leaning forward with its shoulders hunched forward like it was slightly crouched. It was covered in hair, but the hair seemed thinner or shorter on much of its torso and arms. I remember noticing it had a very lean, powerful, muscular build. Its arms seemed unusually long and hung low as it moved, and it clutched something in one of what appeared to be long hands. I couldn't make out its color because of the limited light. It just appeared dark-colored. I never noticed a tail or whether it had the double knees. These creatures are often portrayed as having, despite being a semi-bright night, a lot of its body from the waist down was obscured in shadow. It crouched on the ground, clutching the rabbit in both hands, and I started hearing wet and crunching noises and realized that it was eating the rabbit. It was squatting low on the ground, holding it with both of its hands, eating it like you might eat a fried chicken drumstick and thigh with two hands. At this point, I guess it couldn't have been more than 40 yards from me, it's hard to remember details you didn't think about at the time many years later. I had on a camouflage jacket and jeans, and I remember trying to make myself small while crouching and hoping it wouldn't notice me when it paused and sniffed as if smelling something. Then it raised its head up and sniffed the air. And it was at that moment that I thought, Crap, I hope it isn't smelling my scent. At that moment it looked directly at me and emitted this low guttural growl and I swear its eyes flashed red, something that I've never seen an animal do without a light reflecting in them. It was less bright than when a light reflects directly in an animal's eyes, but distinct enough I could see the red eyes briefly flicker in the darkness. This didn't appear to be reflected light. It appeared to come from the creature for a split second and then disappeared. Bizarre, I know. Looking directly at me, the creature stood up like it was challenging me and growled this low, guttural growl that I heard from the forty yards, or less, away. At that moment, I felt fear overwhelm me. I had this overwhelming urge to haul ass back to my house, but something inside, something told me not to run, that if I did, it would catch me and kill me. When I previously told about all of the times I felt hunted, and I felt a sense of unnatural terror like my life was about to be forfeit in the most sudden, violent way. Well, now it was like I was looking at the sore side. I, somehow I knew that this creature was a bad, wicked thing, far more powerful than me, and something like an inaudible voice kept telling me if I ran, my life was forfeit. Walk, don't run. Pray, stay calm. These thoughts kept going through my head, but they weren't coming from my conscious mind. I slowly backed out of the field, never turning my back to the creature until briefly when I had to cross the electric fence. Even then, I tried to not turn my back completely to it and keep one eye on it. At this point, it had moved deeper into the shadows of the pasture and was moving parallel to the direction I was going. I would occasionally hear it moving through the field, still staying parallel to me as I had begun to walk down the paved road towards my home. As I moved down the blacktop, I came to a section of woods with no houses or lights nearby. I had to walk through at least a few hundred yards of wooded road to get back to my house, and there was only one house on the way. No lights anywhere, and nothing but woods. The thing tracked alongside me the whole way, moving through the woods in the darkness with absolute ease. Occasionally I would hear a branch crack or the swish of vegetation, and a few times it stopped to growl that low guttural growl at me. 
It's odd how I could hear it growl. I don't think I would have heard a dog growling at that distance. The entire time I felt this overwhelming sense of dread, fear, and imminent, inescapable death. I continued to listen to the internal voice and prayed hard the whole way. It kept telling me to walk, not to run, and to pray. I prayed. Oh, did I pray? I don't know if it was the voice or my intuition, but I somehow knew with absolute certainty that if I ran it would kill me. There was something symbolic about the act of fleeing from this evil, and I knew if I did, everything was over. As I walked through the dark wooded stretch of road, I remember wondering if any of my remains would be found, and if so, what they would claim did it. I kept feeling like I was going to be killed at any moment. Time seemed to drag on. It seemed like forever until I got close to my house. I finally reached my driveway and even walked backwards up a hill to my house because I didn't want to turn my back to it. Sure enough, it was across the road from my house, growling from the edge of the tree line and bushes. I finally bolted when I got about ten yards from my door. I ran through the house locking doors and grabbed my old shotgun even though I felt certain that the small game loads I had in it wouldn't do anything but piss the thing off. I was too afraid to look out the windows as I knew it was outside and feared seeing it looking back at me through the windows. The feeling this thing gave me was not just a dangerous one. It was an evil feeling like this was a wicked, unnatural thing. I sat in my room and prayed, if memory serves, until dawn broke. A few weeks or months later... Sorry I can't remember the specifics. My little sister came downstairs sometime around or after 1 a.m. white as a ghost and panic-stricken. She was terrified you could see it all over her. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. When I asked my family what was wrong, they told me she had seen a bear crouching outside of her window. She had woken up to a terrifying feeling, knew something was watching her sleep, and when she looked at the window next to her bed, she saw a bear with big red eyes staring at her. My sister slept in a bedroom on the second floor, but the garage 
Adjoining that part of the house was one story. Something had climbed up on the roof of the garage and had been intently watching her through the window. I asked her point-blank if she was sure it was a bear. I could tell she was terrified and didn't want to acknowledge something. She responded with it was covered in hair, had big red eyes, and was staring at me sleeping through the window. I was asleep when I woke up with a feeling of terror. I knew something was watching me. It felt like it was bad. I'm paraphrasing as this was many years ago. I was generally too afraid to go back in the woods around my house after that, but when I did summon up the courage, I would periodically have to abruptly stop hikes in the woods near the house. Everything would be fine, and then I would suddenly become overwhelmed with the ominous feeling that I was living on borrowed time, that the creature was stalking me and that it was about to kill me. I almost always left immediately, feeling like the shotgun in my hands that I carried was useless. On multiple occasions when this happened, I felt the inner voice again, telling me to leave now. Walk, don't run, and pray. On the couple of occasions that I lingered momentarily to scan the woods for the creature, I never saw anything, but it felt like it grew closer, and the danger grew more imminent, so I always left. It was around this time that I found someone's white domestic rabbit hanging from a tree branch in the woods, disemboweled and with its eyes plucked out. It was hanging from a branch about five feet off the ground. It struck me that it, it was like it was meant to be seen or found as it was placed in a highly visible location, right behind someone's property line at eye level at the edge of a field beside the woods where this thing seemed to frequent. It just seemed significant. It was about that time that I learned that Native Americans lived on a nearby adjacent property who were reputed to use blood magic that was evil and bad stuff. I was told this by another Native American and told me to stay away from them. I'm part Native, too. We lived near a reservation, and multiple Natives had told me about someone who was a known shapeshifter, someone who had purportedly demonstrated their ability to shift into animals, and they had ties to this family. The few times someone told me something like that, they always acted like it was a taboo thing that they should not be speaking of. I don't know if it's relevant, but it feels like it all might be connected. A couple of years later, a friend of mine came to pick me up to take me to a nearby city. We pulled out of my driveway after midnight, and right down the road from my house, we saw a pair of huge wolves standing a few feet from the road, calming, watching us even staring at the car from a few feet away as we passed. Their presence and behavior seemed and felt very unnatural, and my friend, who had grown up there, freaked out. He became pale, sweaty, and started stuttering, telling me those are wolves. Those are huge. The only wolves in Florida are a few red wolves, which almost look like big coyotes. They have reddish-brown coloring and are very small for a wolf. These individuals were silver, gray, and black, and I guess they looked to weigh about 140 and 180 pounds. One was smaller than the other, and when I looked at them, I instinctively knew they were a pair, one male, one female. The red wolves aren't present anywhere near that part of the Florida panhandle, and this was something entirely different. I questioned my uncle, a state biologist and a huge outdoorsman, and he told me there were very few red wolves in Florida. They were nowhere near that size, and there were none anywhere near me. Similarly, there weren't any red-eyed roof-sitting, window-peering bears in the area, as all the bears in the area had been hunted out many years ago. 
I don't know what the true nature of what I experienced was, but it always left me with the sense that it had a very strong supernatural element. Yes, these things had physical forms, but there was something more, something supernatural. My friend knew something, but he was so terrified that all he would tell me is that there were natives in the area, and that part of the woods was special to them, and then he would get an even more terrified look, clam up, and change the subject. He used to have a house in that immediate area. He said strange things happened. There was something bad around the house, something in those woods. He said that their house mysteriously burnt down one day when no one was home. They had it rebuilt, and it caught on fire and burned down a second time when no one was home. Whatever happened spooked him was so scary that they bought a new home many miles away, and he was spooked to even think about it. When locals told me of natives who were purportedly shifters, I began researching and learned that many tribes had beliefs of dark magic that would allow them to transform, much like the skinwalkers. These rituals are always dark rituals that involve blood, sacrifice, or some other dark or evil deeds. After that, I just stayed completely out of the woods around the house, and I didn't walk further than the barn behind the house at night. There were still several incidents, more loud, piercing screams in the night. Once or twice, I heard a baby crying out in the woods during the middle of the night. As I thought to myself, that's no baby. Something is trying to lure me out there or screw with me. The sound changed from the very distinctive sound of a baby into something wicked and unnatural, almost like an evil, twisted mockery of the sound of a baby crying. I felt that it was literally trying to mess with me, trying to instill terror and let me know that it was there. One time I had to talk my brother and a friend out of going into the woods to look for the baby. And again, as soon as everyone agreed that there couldn't possibly be a baby crying that loudly in the woods in the middle of the night, the sound changed into something wicked which would curdle your blood. There was also another occasion where we heard puppies crying out from a ditch in the edge of the woods in the middle of the night. Once again, a couple of friends wanted to rush out there to rescue the puppies, and once again, as soon as I pointed out that it couldn't possibly be puppies out there in the woods in the middle of the night and BFE, the sound changed, and it was always a wicked, terrifying sound, almost like some evil thing was trying to create the most disturbing sounds it could. Shortly after this, I moved away and rarely visited that home, and all of my encounters of this nature ended when I left. Years later, the house was sold. I sit here now, burdened by the weight of the truth that has forever changed my life. My name is Mark, and I was a member of a Navy SEAL team led by a man named Joe. Our assignment took us to a remote outpost in war-torn Syria, a place where danger lurked around every corner. Little did we know that the true horror we would face was not from the living, but from the restless spirits of the dead. It began with strange occurrences during our night shifts in the barracks. Unexplained whispers echoed through the halls, chilling our bones and filling our hearts with an unyielding sense of dread. Shadows danced along the walls, their ethereal forms mocking our mortal presence. Curiosity consumed us, and we couldn't ignore the unsettling atmosphere any longer. Joe, a seasoned hunter with a keen sense of intuition, took charge of our investigation. We delved into the history of the outpost, uncovering the dark secrets that had been buried beneath its very foundations. To our horror, 
we discovered that the outpost was built upon a massive grave. Countless lives had been lost in the battles that had ravaged this land, their souls trapped and tormented by the atrocities committed upon them. The vengeful spirits of the fallen soldiers haunted the outpost, seeking retribution for the lives unjustly taken. Night after night we faced the wrath of these vengeful spirits. Their anguished cries echoed through the barren halls, sending shivers down our spines. We fought back, using every weapon at our disposal, both physical and spiritual. It was a battle unlike any we had faced before, a war waged against the ethereal realm. Our team was decimated. The majority of our men lost to the relentless onslaught of the vengeful ghosts. Yet, in the face of adversity, we refused to surrender. We rallied together, our determination fueled by the memory of our fallen comrade. With a desperate plan in mind, we set out to break the cycle of torment that plagued the outpost. Armed with dynamite, we ventured deep into the bowels of the structure, to the heart of the mass grave that lay beneath. The ghosts, sensing our purpose, grew more aggressive, their ethereal forms manifesting with increasing fury. As we reached the epicenter, our hands trembling with a mix of fear and resolve, we set the detonator. The explosion reverberated through the outpost, ripping through the physical and spiritual realms alike. The earth shook beneath our feet as the structure crumbled, taking the ghosts and the grave with it. We fled the collapsing outpost, our bodies battered and our hearts heavy with loss. The souls of the fallen soldiers were finally freed, their spirits released from the chains that had bound them for far too long. In their sacrifice, we found a semblance of victory. Now, as I recount this tale, I do so with a heavy heart. The memories of that haunted outpost will forever haunt my dreams, a constant reminder of the horrors we faced. I carry the weight of their sacrifice, their voices echoing in my ears, urging me to never forget. The world may never know the truth of what happened in that remote outpost, but I share this story as a testament to the bravery and resilience of my fellow SEALs. We faced not only the terrors of war, but also the wrath of vengeful spirits. We stood our ground, fought until the bitter end, and left no stone unturned in our pursuit of peace. May the souls of the fallen soldiers find solace in the oblivion that awaited them, and may their sacrifice never be forgotten. Last summer, my boyfriend and I were camping in the Awachita Forest, off the Winona Scenic Route. We drove through a gorgeous spillway to a creek site where we had set up our camp and were laying in the hammock for the night. Next thing I know, our dog is growling this deep growl I'd never heard her make, so it caught my attention. I look in the direction she's growling in, and I see this weird humanoid figure just casually walking in the woods about 10, 20 feet away from us. It's a light gray, maybe white color, 70 feet tall, very skinny, and has an abnormally large head. Our dog barks and catches its attention. It stops for a good 20 seconds, looks at us, then carries on its way. Needless to say, we immediately packed everything up and left. We hadn't taken anything recreational that night, though I sort of wish we had now. I truly don't know what I saw, but... I'm so curious if we were the only ones to see have ever seen anything like that in that area.
1991, I had moved to the Oxford Hills region of Maine and began exploring the forest. I would kill a day exploring. Make your way to a stream or a snowmobile trail and find your way back to civilization. One day I got into an area that was pretty far off. I had to cross a waist-deep river and a couple small creeks before coming upon this ridge leading up to a flat-topped hill covered with tall trees. My goal was to get atop and see if I could spot a way out better than how I gotten in. Atop the hill I saw something amongst the trees and thought my eyes were playing tricks on me. I walked right up to it. It was a 1980 school bus in pretty damn good condition. The trees boxing it in were forty or so feet tall birch trees. There were no obvious paths it could have driven on to get there. So, seeing it was less than ten years old, I can only assume someone stole it when it was new. Maybe a path and washed out in the years since. As an ex-park ranger turned soldier, I've seen my fair share of strange and terrifying things. But nothing could have prepared me for what I encountered during my tour. In Afghanistan in 2019, when we first arrived at base, it was unlike anything I had ever seen. There was nothing but a barren wasteland, and the only thing to eat was this strange, bland food that seemed to have no nutritional value. But we were soldiers, and we were used to roughing it, so we didn't think much of it. One day, while on patrol through a local town, my squad and I were ordered to investigate a strange alley that had been reported by locals. As we made our way down the narrow passage, we heard a roar unlike anything I had ever heard before. My heart was pounding in my chest as we cautiously approached the end of the alley. And then we saw it. A creature that defied description. It was a massive, hulking thing covered in thick, matted fur. It had the body of an ape but the face of something far more sinister. It let out a deafening roar and lunged at us, but we were quick to react. We unleashed a hail of bullets from our automatic rifles, and the creature fell to the ground. Dead, as we approached the body to examine it, we were met with resistance from the locals. They were fiercely protective of the creature, and wouldn't allow us to get too close. We were puzzled by their behavior, but we didn't want to cause any more trouble. So we left the creature where it lay and continued our patrol. But the memory of that creature stayed with me even after we returned to base. I couldn't shake the feeling that there was something off about it. Something that didn't quite fit with what we knew about the world. I couldn't help but wonder what other strange and terrifying creatures might be lurking in the shadows of this mysterious country. I was visiting my aunt at Northeast Illinois, just north of Chicago, in the summer of 2002. We were outside for a noon barbecue. My cousin Eddie, AG9, runs over to my aunt, yelling that the bird's back. So we all look over to where the kid's pointing, and not even 100 feet away, and about 50 feet up was this huge freaking bird. My mom is afraid of anything with more than two legs, so she starts totally freaking out. The funniest thing I've ever seen. So she grabs the kids and runs inside faster than if the devil was on her tail. My stepdad and uncle both have video cameras pointed at it. Now my uncle Richie works as a cameraman at one of the local news stations over there, so he knows how to use a camera. My stepdad unfortunately doesn't, and the video that we took home is shaky and blurred most of the time. This bird was big. I'm talking 15, 20 feet freaking wings. 
It circled a couple of times and then headed east at 1.14 p.m. I have the exact time because every few seconds I'd, in shorthand, write down the time and the activity. I'm a part-time ghost investigator here in Southern California and very good about writing things down very quickly. It was black with brown feather tips. Its beak fit the body and looked kind of like a cross between a crow and a hawk. Keep in mind that I'm five feet three, looking at 100 feet and up at 50, 60 feet. This was way cooler than any ghost I've seen yet. Well, as I said, my investigator instincts took over, and when I was asking a whole bunch of normally reserved for ghosts questions, I found out that the bird showed up at the aunt and uncle's ranch at least once a month. This is so cool, I only wish my uncle would make me a copy of his tape so I could show you guys. This could very easily not be a skinwalker, but wanted it to post anyway. I was with my friends walking through the woods late at night a few weeks ago. And this area is supposedly haunted, so some of them were scared. I was mentioning skinwalkers and how they can appear if you mention them just to try and scare my friends. Not too much later, we saw eyes in the woods which appeared to be a mountain lion when we got closer. We live in south-central Connecticut, so mountain lions are extremely rare. My friends started running away, and I followed. We looked back and saw the eyes behind us a few times, but eventually it went away. Does this sound similar to other Skiwalker stories, or am I just being paranoid? I was working late last night, and while I was taking out the garbage... When I arrived at the dumpsters, I smelled a stench similar to wet dog and blood. I looked up when I heard rustling in a bush and I saw a large black creature, about seven, eight feet tall, covered in fur. It appeared to be humanoid in shape, except with the head of a wolf-slash-coyote. It had its back towards me and was walking towards a dark area in the forest. I immediately ran away when I saw it, so I didn't get a picture. I'm still not sure what it was. But my cowlocker told me it was probably a skinwalker, and I really can't think of any other explanations. Does anyone have any other explanations? Does anyone know if there are skinwalkers in this area? Should I be concerned? 